you know, throughout our lifetimes, every single one of us has been told, just be you, be yourself, be uniquely you. And I'm realizing, or I should say I have realized over my lifetime that I'm a little bit of an odd duck, a little bit of an odd ball, an odd bird, weird, well, unique, because weird has a negative connotation. So let's stick with unique. And I started to think about all these things because ever since I've been married, my husband goes, "Uh uh-huh, put that in your book. Like little things that I'll say, well, don't you see that? Or have you ever noticed this? Or you don't do this or that? He's like, no, I don't do that. So it's, they say that when you're in a relationship, it's like holding a mirror up to yourself because you really get to see yourself from somebody else's perspective. And it's so true. I mean, I always knew I was a little quirky, but now I know I am definitely an odd bird. So today I've compiled a list of some of my uniquenesses, shall we say, and I want to have a little fun and share them with you guys and see if you do or say or feel or experience any of these things too. Because let's face it, I'm a little weird and uh, we're going to talk about it today. So let's get into it. Welcome to Big Time Small Talk. I am your host, Jody Rollins, and today we're getting a little weird, or maybe some of us actually are already weird slash unique. <laughs> so I have <clears throat> compiled this list of 10 things that make me a weirdo for sure. I can call myself unique, but <laughs> girlfriend, you're weird. And, you know, I think we all do little things that unless somebody else notices them, we don't even realize it. We just, oh, that's just something I've always done or, you know, I've always thought or felt or experienced. You don't do that. And that's honestly, I mean, there's so many things that I really love about being married, but that is one of them. I will look at my husband and he will do these quirky things. And I'm like, wait, you think I'm the quirky one? You are the quirky one. And I'll just rat him out. So here's one. My husband likes, how do I even say this? He likes a small list of foods and beverages. He has no interest in trying anything new because that means it would be more complicated. I'm like, what? So if there's new ice cream flavors that come out or a new flavor of chip or crackers or something that I probably shouldn't be eating, I'm like, ooh, I want to try that, you know? And so I'll go out and buy it and sample it and see if I like it. He will never do that. He's like, nope, I have enough things that I like. I don't need anything else. And I'm like, what? Don't you want to try new things? Like he likes ruffles or lays plain potato chips. And I like those too, not as much as he does. And he also likes barbecue, 
but doesn't really care for a bunch of other flavors. And he'll eat the odd flavor here or there, but won't eat sour cream and onion. But if Ruffles today came out with a new chip with this whatever, new and improved or better flavor or such and such a flavor, he will not try it. Even if I go out and buy it, he's like, no, I already like what I like. <laughs> like, what? And so over our marriage, <clears throat> excuse me, we've started, I've started to sort of keep a list in my mind and I'll say, well, have you ever tried this? And I can't remember. There was something that was sort of basic. I think it was a, a drink or something that most people had tried. I can't remember what it was. And he was like, no. And I'm like, what do you mean you've never tried it? Do you want to try it? No. Like, he just likes to keep things simple. To him, it's complicated, quote, end quote, if he has to try new things and add new things to his sort of food repertoire, which is funny because he likes most things, most fruits, most vegetables, most meat. I mean, he loves his meat. He's very much a steak and potatoes kind of a guy or steak and pasta. He loves steak and pasta. But me, I'm uber finicky, but I'll try anything once. I mean, I tasted like, you know, I don't know, for those of you who don't live in Southern California, they have at the grocery stores here and a lot or some of the smaller like Spanish markets, like flavored crickets or ants or something. Now, obviously, that doesn't sound good. But one day I'm at the store and I'm like, people eat this as a snack. Little kids like it, like seasoned crickets. I just want to see what it tastes like. And so I bought some and I'm like, oh, let's taste these together. And he's like, hell no. And so I tasted it and it tasted mostly just salty and it was just crunchy and like, I don't know, dusty at the same time. Now I will probably, no, I can tell you, I won't ever really have any reason to eat seasoned crickets ever again, but I like the idea that I know what they taste like because I'm the type of person that likes to experience things. As I've mentioned in past episodes, I love travel, but I like to travel to different places. I don't want to go back to the same place twice. There are a couple places that I've actually felt that about, places where I've considered moving to. That's different. It's almost like, oh, okay, well, I need to go back because I'm doing research to see what it's like because someday we don't always want to live in Southern California. And so someday I want to live other places. It's good to sort of test out a place or two, even if it means going back twice. But overall, because the world is a big place, and I don't have an infinite amount of money or an infinite amount of time, I can't go back to the same place. I mean, I could, right? It's physically possible. But I want to see as much of this world as I can, especially places that are sort of off the beaten path. Right now at the top of our list, my husband and I agree on this, are, um, what do you call it, uh, Iceland and Scotland, coincidentally, two lands, right? Because, I mean, if you ever Google pictures of Iceland, it's otherworldly, like these mountains and rocks and waterfall, and during the wintertime, the snow and the ice formations, and then during the summer, these beautiful landscapes, like, it is so amazing. Like, I can't wait to go to Iceland. It is, I just get goosebumps thinking about it. But I've been to lots of places, like I went to Australia 
But I went with my friend and it's a huge continent, right? Well, you know, relatively lots to see different places. I didn't see the outback. I went to Sydney, went to Bondi Beach, which is this beautiful sort of world famous beach and then downtown Sydney and the, and the surrounding areas. <clears throat> so been there, done that. But because I went with my friend, I could go back with my husband, but I really think life is too short. Why go to a place I've already been? Yes, if I go to Melbourne or wherever else, it's very different, but I've been there, done that. I want to check that box and go to someplace different. So that's my whole sort of existence, which is experience as much as you can in this life. Talk about everything. I mean, duh, I'm doing this show, right? And I talk about sex. <clears throat> Excuse me. I talk about emotional stuff. I talk about, you know, population, I mean, sorry, uh, politics and pop culture, all varieties of topics, because I'm interested in a lot of things. And the same would go for food. So as much as I definitely am a finicky person, I like to try new things. And I just think it's funny that my husband, who is not finicky, is like, no, I'm good. I'm good with what I know. Don't need anything new. So very interesting, I think. <clears throat> Pardon me. I have this <clears throat> phlegm. This is what happens when you have allergies, get post-nasal drip. I'm so sorry. I have to uh, keep clearing my throat. It's really annoying. So I apologize. Okay. So let's get to my list. And some of these, honestly, I, I made this list like, I want to say a week and a half ago when I thought about doing this topic. And I forgot what was on the list. And I was kind of reviewing it in between the little break of when I record the cold open and it uploads and this segment. And uh, I'm like, really, Jody, am I going to talk about this stuff? This makes me look like a clown. But whatever, I am a bit of a clown. I am me right? We all have to be ourselves. So I'm going to put myself out there and share these weird things about me. And some of them aren't even that weird. They're just unique, shall we say? Okay, so they're in no real order. Drum roll, please. Brrr. Funny how my drum roll sounds a lot like my cat purr. Brrr. Anyway. All right. So number 10, if I can read my chicken scratch handwriting. And again, these are in no particular order. Number 10, accents. I have this innately unique skill of being able to hear and duplicate accents. And I've always been like this. And so I can, um, a good example is I can, I would, I met a guy, like we were hiking, my husband and I were hiking. This was like a couple years ago. And he was like, uh, you know, we're, we're going down the path and we're, we stopped and there's a few other people around taking the view in and this one man and his family. And he started, you know, small talk like hikers do. And he was like, Oh, you know, um, how, how's, how's your hike been? Has it been uh, a nice sunny day for you today? And I was like, oh yeah, it's been great. I'm like, are you from Canada? And he's like, what? Like, how did you know that? He said one sentence to me and I could hear his accent because what I've realized is there's a lot to accents. There's the cadence, like American and Canadians, American English and Canadian English doesn't have the same cadence. And so I can pick it out like Canadian 
English, in my opinion, has this sort of, there's a lot of more paces or, or pauses and beats in the way that they speak. And they'll, you know, they're from Toronto instead of Toronto, as Americans say. And it's almost like it's more in the back of their throat. And um, yes, some of them say A, but not all of them say A. But I noticed that that's how they talk. And so it's easy for me to pick up and duplicate. And it's happened dozens and dozens of times. Um, there was uh, the show called, uh, I think it's called The Con. It's on ABC. It's really good. I recommend it. It's a relatively new show and it's hosted by Whoopi Goldberg. And they talk about all these different people or organizations, mostly people, individuals who have conned people out of their money, their savings, whatever. And they had this one guy and they sort of tell it in a story form. This one guy who was pretending to be like one of the famous, I guess, uh, like a sheikh or from the, like a Saudi prince. Yeah, he was pretending to be a Saudi, a Saudi Arabian prince. And the way they tell the story on the show, The Khan, they're like, well, was he a prince? Well, we'll have to get to that. We'll tell you the story about what happened. So they kind of start at the beginning and you're not really sure. Is this person a prince? Is he who he says he is? Is he not? And they played a, a tape recording and he said two sentences. And I'm like, that guy is from like Michigan, Illinois area because I heard his accent. I mean, one to two sentences went by and I knew this guy was not from Saudi Arabia. He was for sure from the sort of central northeast, you know, Michigan, Illinois, Ohio-ish area. And the thing about like hearing accents is I'm not psychic. I can't predict what town you're from or the exact state every time. But most times I will get the exact state or the neighboring state where people are from because Michigan sounds very different than Minnesota. And Minnesota sounds very different than, say, Ohio. And Ohio sounds very different than upstate New York. And upstate New York sounds very different than Manhattan. And Southern accents are different too. Like Georgia is almost like a more sweet kind of sing-songy. I remember President Jimmy Carter it had, yeah, it's almost like a soft kind of thing like that. And people sound a little more sing-songy. And then if you're from like Texas, it's more like a little bit more, you know, harsh and a little bit harder on the R's. I'm from Texas and we grew up here my whole life. My dad runs a cattle farm and, you know, Nashville is more a little bit less, you know, that area that's a little bit harder to hear, but it's there. And so I've always been able to pick them out. And I'm like, why can't I get paid for this? And it's, it's fun for me. It's almost like a hobby when I meet strangers. I'm like, are you from the South? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, are you from Texas? They're like, yeah. Or I've met somebody, I'm like, you're from Baltimore or Philadelphia. And they're shocked. Their eyes get really, really big. And so I've been able to duplicate accents. You know, in my last episode, I was doing my English accents and there's, there's all kinds of English accents. And then, you know, going down to Sydney, I heard a lot of tasty cheese. There's a lot of tasty cheese when I live down in Australia. I love it. I threw another steak on the barbie. What I could do different places. Or if you're from Ireland, you know, come down in the Irish brogue. I love to get me leprechauns. Not that everybody from Ireland has anything to do with a leprechaun. That was kind of close-minded, but still. 
And I'm part Irish, so I can say that. I really am. Found that out from Ancestry.com. So I've loved accents, listening to them, hearing them, fine tuning them and being able to duplicate them when I speak. And back in my acting days, I would get to do accents. And that was always fun. Not as many because usually you're like, okay, you're the black character. So, you know, they're like, you have to play hood and street and uh, or just be nondescript. And I, I did do a, I remember in high school, I had to do a German accent. And my character's name was Schupanzik. And it was fun because they gave me these tapes to study how to do a German accent. And there are black German people. But the thing I love about accents is that you can take one word, the same word, and tell people where you're from just by how you say it. And one of the best words, I mean, it's not true for all words, but one of the best words is the word W-A-T-E-R. Something you drink, comes out of the faucet, flows in a stream, W-A-T-E-R. Now, I didn't say the word because I want to show you the example. So people from like Baltimore or Baltimore, a lot of people from there call it Baltimore, will say water, water. Now, um, if you're from New York, and there's always, you know, different parts of different places that have slightly different accents. So these are the general versions. So again, Baltimore, that area, water. And uh, that's Maryland, sometimes people from Philadelphia as well, South Jersey, that whole area. And then if you're from New York, it's water, water. I want a glass of water. When I was a little girl, I was raised in upstate New York. Both of my parents are New Yorkers. I learned water, water. Can I have a drink of water? And then when I moved to Colorado, I had to get rid of my accent because the kids were like, what is that you're saying? I, I think I've told this story before. I said, are you sure? They're like, sure. It's sure. And sometimes I go back and forth and I'll say, I'm sure about this. But then other times I'll say, I am sure. So it goes back and forth. But back to water. Now, some people say water or water or water. So there's all these very subtle changes, water, 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 water. And if you're not paying attention, you won't hear it, but I can't unhear it. And I love accents. A lot of times people will say, oh my God, I still have this accent. I'm trying to get rid of it. I'm like, but it tells a story, right? It shares a little bit of information about who you are and where you've been. So that's my thing. And I love being able to hear all these different things that people say and how they say them and the cadence and a drawl, like a drawl is different than an accent. And it's fun for me. So that's one of my little unique, quirky, foible, I don't know, foible is the wrong word, but unique, quirky, unique, quirky things is being able to duplicate accents and recognize them. So that's number 10. Okay. Number nine, and I kind of touched on this because I am a super taster, which I'm like, really? It just makes you sound like you're kind of trying to say that you have a, your superpower, but it is my superpower. I have a really strong sense of smell. And it's kind of a pain in the butt because, you know, I'll be walking around, say my husband and I will be, I don't know, out walking someplace. And I'll be like, 
oh, do you smell that? And I'll be making that face, like the stink face, right? Ugh. And he's like, what? I don't smell anything. And I'm like, you don't smell that? And sometimes we will continue on and he will smell nothing. Other times he'll go, oh, you know, maybe 10 minutes later. Oh yeah, I, I, yeah, I kind of smell that. Ooh, it smells like garbage. It smells like whatever. But I'm the one that always smells it first. And it, sometimes it feels like certain smells like smack me in the face. And I'm just like, pow, Ugh, it smells horrible. And he just gets like a little cotton ball cloud of the smell, just poof. Like, oh yeah, yeah, I, I guess I kind of smell that. And that has been my entire life. It's annoying because it's just like, what do you mean you can't smell that? You can't smell that? Or, but I guess the good thing is if there's smoke, I'm like, I smell smoke. Is something burning? And I'll run to the kitchen and I'll see like something, you know, is burning or whatever or in the microwave or, you know, I'll smell it before other people. So in that respect, it can be a good thing. But we used to live out in the country. Now, we live in a small town in the country, in a small valley in Southern California. But we used to live out in the country for the first several years that I lived here. And it was a smelly overload. Like, there, we, we called it cow farts because we lived near a, um, what do you call it, like a a uh, feed lot where they feed cattle, you know, grow them big and strong, and then you know, sadly slaughter them, you know. So it's like thousands of cows all in this yard, standing in their own poop. It's disgusting. And whenever the temperature was like a certain temperature, and I don't know what that was, but usually around dusk, there'd be this cloud of cow farts. You can see it. Like I'm not even joking. It almost looks like smoke and fog mixed together and it stunk so badly. So I would walk outside and just be like, oh, God, do you smell that? And my husband would be like, kinda. And I'm like, how do you not notice? And then other times they would be feeding the cows like this barley mixture and they'd do all this burping and it would smell like beer burps. And I'm like, oh, hopefully I'm not grossing you guys out too much. But all of these smells or they would water the fields. And so there was like this muddy, soggy smell. Or we live near the Salton Sea, which is the largest lake in Southern California, but in California, actually, the state of California. But there's a lot of runoff because from Mexico, Mexico is actually higher than California. So there, the new river runs off into this lake and they don't have the same cleaning procedures and regulations. So a lot of crap is thrown into the water. So there's old burnt tires, sewage, and it stinks, all kinds of God knows what, mixed in with Colorado river water. So it's fresh and disgusting. And then it kills fish and they have these things called algae blooms and it smells horrible. And so it was like an overload with smells. And I just, oh, I'm glad we don't live there anymore. It was a lot. And my husband would be outside mowing the lawn and I'm like, how are you out here? It smells so bad. I barely notice it. So it's another one of my superpowers is being able to have this strong sense of smell. And everything I taste, tastes like it smells. I remember when I was little, people would say, well, it tastes different than it smells. Nope. For me, I can smell something and I'm like, it tastes exactly like that. And so a lot of times people say, well, do you like fish? No. I always have to say, well, how about, nope. Do you ever, nope. But th this isn't fit. Nope. 
no fish. I can't stand any of it. It all tastes fishy. Some more fishy than others, but ugh, I wish I liked it, but I don't. I always say that. All right. So that's number nine, my strong sense of smell, which kind of piggybacks on number eight, being a super taster, which again, if you haven't ever heard of it, it's just, I have more taste buds than the average person. So it's all I've known, but I don't like a lot of things. So it's really annoying. Like I don't like the flavor of cola. So I've never liked Coke or Pepsi or any dark cola. I don't like Dr. Pepper. I don't like root beer. There are no dark flavored colas that I like. I don't really like soda at all, but I used to drink it. You know, Sprite was fine or Sierra Mist or anything like that. Orange flavored soda. I used to drink that as a kid. Any kind of fruit flavor, but nothing dark cola, no dark chocolate. I don't like any kind of dark chocolate whatsoever because to me it tastes bitter and it tastes like dirt. And people are like, what? I love dark chocolate. I'm like, Ugh. I do. I can tolerate or kind of like milk chocolate if it's mixed in with something else, like a Twix bar. Cause I love caramel and the cookie part. Twixes are so good. Um, because it's milk chocolate and it's not the dominant flavor. I don't like chocolate chip cookies. If I get chocolate chip cookies, I pick the chocolate chips out. They're just not good to me. So, you know, it makes me feel like a freak of nature because what? 99.999999% of people love chocolate. I love vanilla, caramel, toffee. Toffee is one of my favorite flavors. Oh, so good. Caramels, love them too. Um, but uh, yeah, so I don't like coffee or the flavor of tea. No matter how much sugar you add to it, it just tastes bitter. So um, it's it's been annoying being a super taster because I have such a small sort of set of options that I could eat. But if that's all you've ever known, that's all you know. You know, I do wish I liked more things. I wish, like I said, I liked seafood or lamb. I can't stand lamb, the smell of it. I don't like pork chops. There's so many things. But the things that I do like, I love garlic or onions, tomatoes, black olives, um, all kinds of things like that. Capers, kind of briny, tart, savory things. Love, 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 love. So. That's my number, uh, let's see, number eight, being a super taster. It's a little annoying, <laughs> but it's me. Um, number seven is I have a fine-tuned memory. And yes, as I've gotten older, I'll be like, what was, what was the name of that? You know, that sucks. But when I was in fifth or sixth grade, they tested me. And found out at that point, I had a 10th grade memory. So even though I was like 11 or 12, I had the memory capability of someone who was like 15 or 16. And they were just like blown away. And to me, I'm like, everybody doesn't have this memory. And the way that it's weird is that I can remember distinctly very specific memories. Like I remember what I wore on my first day of school for seventh grade. I remember the exact outfit. Um, I remember uh, like how my teacher used to dress in fourth grade or the things that she used to say. I remember like 
the first day, actually, I would say I remember my earliest memory, I was around two. And the only reason I know I was two or under, I could have been actually under, is because we lived in one particular house from zero to two, and then we moved. And so I remember the smell of my babysitter. She was an older lady. Here we go again with the strong sense of smell. But especially when you're a kid, old people smell a certain way. And so I remember her smell and I remember how she walked and I remember that house. And this is when I couldn't walk myself. And I remember one time being at my grandmother's house, they put me down on the couch. And even though I didn't have words, I remember feeling like, well, where is everybody? They left me, you know, and they went upstairs and then they came back down to get me. And I have a clear memory of being in the basement on this couch, like, hey, come back and get me. I didn't feel abandoned, but it was just like, what's happening? And so for me, memory is like very, very, I guess, acute. When I talk to my husband and I'll ask him, oh, well, what did you think about this? Or how was that in high school? Or how was this in elementary? He's like, I don't remember. Like it has to be jogged. Something has to happen in order to trigger him. I remember specifically every single boy I've had a crush on in my lifetime. Every one of them. You know, I could go through like the first boy I had a crush on when I was like, I would go to ski areas and we would go to the daycare and ski areas. So I was like somewhere between four and six. And I had a crush on this little boy named Kyle, probably my first love. And we played house in the little area where they had a little kitchen. And so I remember him acutely. And that's the word I keep using. So for me, memory is very, very vivid. I remember all of my dreams. I wake up and they're very clear and tuned in. And so it's always been something that when I talk to other people, they're like, you don't remember you remember that? And I say, you don't? And it's surprising to me. So my my brain is full of useless memories because they're not, you know, it's great for storytelling and thinking about, you know, thinking back over my lifetime. And that's not to say I remember everything because sometimes I'll go, oh my God, I forgot about that. But the things that I do remember are very clear from way back. So All right. So that's number seven. Okay. Number six is a little embarrassing and a little silly, but I thought I would add it to the list. I'm like, (laughs) what? It's such a quirky, silly thing that I do that I'm like, all right, I'm going to put it on the list. So I'll tell you what that quirky, silly, and slightly embarrassing thing is right after the break. Stay with me. Welcome back. Thanks for not clicking away. Or if you did, thanks for coming back. Um, So now as we've left off on my list of 10 things that make me uniquely me or quirky Jody or whatever you want to call it, um, we left off at number six. So a recap, one, my affinity for accents, duplicating and hearing them. Number 10, that is. Number nine, Um, strong sense of smell. Number eight, which piggybacks being a super taster. Number seven, having a very strong, vivid, acute memory. And number six, which is a little silly. And I don't know, this is quirky. It's not that big of a deal, but I'm just like, it's 
silly me. So I'm going to tell you about that. But first, if this is your first time listening to the show, I don't know how you found the show, but I just want to say thank you. If you found it through my Instagram or something I posted, or you're just looking through at podcasts, or somebody shared it with you, thank you from the bottom of my heart for clicking because otherwise I would be talking just to myself. And well, that's not true. I'd be talking to the people who I also want to thank who continue to listen. Thank you to every single one of you. It is like a major rush to post an episode and have people click on and start listening to it within minutes. I remember when I first started way back in September of 2020, um, I would have to wait. You know, it would take a day for, before somebody would click and then maybe a couple more clicks. And now it's just instant. People listen as soon as I post. So that warms the cockles of my heart. It just makes me feel so good that you care and you want to hear this content. That's why I'm doing it. So thank you if you're new. Thank you if you continue to be a listener. Please keep sharing the show. That's how it's growing from people sharing with their friends and family and their foes. Even if you don't like somebody, share it with them. They might listen to it out of spite, but maybe they'll listen. Um, and keep those reviews coming. Click five stars, write a review if you haven't done it. Let people know what you think of the show because it helps people decide if they want to listen or not. And hopefully they will. So give the show a chance if this is your first time or maybe your second. Listen to a couple episodes. I think you will enjoy the fun stuff that we all get to talk about here. And I mean, it's just me, but different topics. So thank you, thank you, thank you. You can always follow me on Instagram at Jody Rollins. I post updates about the show and fun stuff about my life and pictures and photography from my travels and observations. So that's at Jody Rollins. And if you have questions, comments, or concerns, you can write the show at bigtimesmalltalkpodcast at gmail.com, bigtimesmalltalkpodcast at gmail.com. You can also, um, what else? You can leave a voicemail on Anchor, just like that commercial that plays over and over and over and over and over again. Just go to anchor.fm and search out the show and you can leave a voicemail. It's very simple, easy, free. Um, or you can also, what else? There's so many different ways. If you don't want to go to anchor.fm, you can download the Anchor app and listen to the show that way and also leave a voicemail that way as well. And um, please click subscribe too. That's a great way to get those notifications and automatic downloads of the show. So you'll be sure to know every time I post because I do, I, I think it is a bit of an inconvenience to you guys that I post sporadically. You can't say every Thursday, Jody's got a show and I apologize for that. But for me, I have to be inspired to talk about things and life. My schedule is crazy and all over the place. And I try to do at least two, try for three episodes a week. And so there's always a new episode as much as possible. So that's why I, I don't have a guaranteed every Thursday at 10 a.m. I'll post an episode. It's about inspiration. So click subscribe and you will never miss an episode. Uh, what else? There was one other thing. 
that I wanted to say. Oh, um, if you're interested, I get a lot of these more and more surprising, surprisingly. There's an app called Memo. It's M-E-M-M-O. So two M's, I believe. Or you can just look it up in the app store, Memo, and it'll auto finish. It's like a hot pink and white logo. But I'm sure, actually, let me double check here how you spell it. I'm going to tell you why I'm telling you about this in just a second. Oops, my song came on. Oh, this is a song I was listening to before uh, I uh, started the show. Oh, Sinatra. Let me stop this. I love Sinatra. Anybody else love Sinatra? Sorry that that auto-played. But he, oh, he was such a genius. Just absolutely love Sinatra. But sorry, that's neither here nor there. Okay, so memo. There we go. Yeah. So it's memo, M-E-M-M-O. And it's uh, like a red and white logo. And it's basically a shout out app. So people write me all the time and I'm always surprised and honored. They say, can you wish my friend or my sister or somebody a happy birthday? Can you do like a happy birthday video? So that's the place. If you want a happy birthday message or message of inspiration or anything. If you're like, congratulations, so-and-so's graduating from college or somebody who's like starting their own podcast or anything at all, I can do a little video for you and you can just go to Memo, you search out Jody Rollins and you can sign on and get a shout out from me. And it's a couple bucks and because I do get enough of these that it's like a little bit of time consuming, but I like doing them. So if you want one, you can go to Memo and I'm happy to do them for you. All kinds of things long or short. There's lots of options there for you to choose from. Um, there's other apps that are like this. I think, uh, I can't remember what the other ones are called, but this one is Memo. So if you want a video from me, any kind of shout out or support, check it out. So that's that. I've been on Memo for probably mm, four or five months now. And it's a lot of fun because people are just like, thank you so much. It made their birthday and it's just touching. And I put a lot of work into those to make the, the person, the receiver feel special even if it's for you. So memo. All right. So got all that business out of the way, including a little Frank Sinatra interruption. On to the list of 10 things that make me uniquely me or make me a weirdo. I don't know. So this one is a little silly and quirky. Number six. And my stepson pointed this out. And I didn't even, I sort of realized I did it, but I didn't really realize I did it. So Pretty much the only thing I drink is sparkling water or water. Pretty boring, I know. But as I've mentioned before, I don't drink alcohol, never been into it, never been drunk, believe it or not. I'm like, is there a place for me in the Guinness Book of World Records? Never been drunk. Um, and I don't like coffee, don't like tea, and I try not to drink sugary drinks. So it doesn't leave much other than water and sparkling water. And sparkling water has lots of great flavors. I love LaCroix and bubbly. I wish they would pay me because I drink nothing but those. That would be nice, maybe someday. But um, so when you open those up, the bubbles kind of burn your tongue a little bit, like not really burn like fire or hot, but like it's like this dry, crisp, bubbly sensation on the back of your tongue. So I'll drink those and I'll get the first sip and I'll be like, you know, look, 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 and I'll be like, ah. and I can't help myself after every single first or second sip. I'll drink. And my stepson, who at the time was like 12 or 13, was like, do you have to say 
after every time you drink. And I was like, I do. I didn't even, I kind of knew I did it, but I didn't really know I did it. I didn't know I did it every time. And I do. And it's something, I mean, there is something to it, like from a chemistry perspective, like the bubbles on the back of your tongue, that little burn crisp feeling, like when you get more oxygen in the back of your tongue and back of your throat kind of thing, it makes the burn go away. So when you go like, ah, it rushes more oxygen to the back of your tongue. So it like helps it, right? But I cannot stop doing it. I mean, I could, but I literally do it every single time I have a drink of something sparkling. And I just think it's hilarious that I didn't even know that I did it every single time till my stepson pointed it out. So a little silly, a little embarrassing, a little quirky, but I definitely a lot. And that's A-H-H-H-H-H. Ah. <laughs> okay, let's see. Man, number five. Okay, so this is weird too. Kind of back piggybacking on the food thing. I hate chocolate ice cream. It's kind of bittery. It tastes almost like coffee. It's just gross. It's just not a good flavor. And I know a lot of people don't really care for chocolate ice cream. A lot of people like vanilla with like chocolate chunks and this and that. Don't like that either. But I love chocolate milk. Like it makes no sense. Chocolate milk, chocolate ice cream, basically the same thing, right? Cream, milk, chocolate. But it tastes totally different. Chocolate milk is one of my favorite drinks. And I'm the same girl that just got done telling you I don't like dark chocolate or chocolate. Now, when they have, I love Nesquik, especially Nesquik is so creamy and delicious. But I don't like the double chocolate one because that's when it gets bitter. You know, it's like chocolated out. Ugh. But just regular Nesquik is so good. But it makes no sense that I don't like chocolate ice cream. It's just weird to me. But I like Oreos, which is kind of a dark fudge-like chocolate, but it's got the cream to break it up. But I don't like the thin Oreos. It's got to be double stuff. So it breaks up the flavor of the chocolate. And I love cookies and cream ice cream, but then I don't like ice cream with chocolate chips in it. So that's just weird. It makes no sense. I should not like chocolate milk after all that I've said about chocolate, but I do. So... I think that one's strange. I have no explanation other than I'm an oddball for sure. <laughs> okay. Number five, moving right along. Is that five? Yes. Um, so this is weird, but it helps me. And I'm curious. I really would like to know if anybody else does this. And I mentioned it to my husband and a couple of my friends and they're like, no, I don't do that. So I memorize speed limits. And it wasn't like something that I set out to start doing, but I have a little bit of a lead foot and um, I've gotten a ticket or two in my lifetime, shall we say? Usually on long distance road trips out in the country where some cop was out of nowhere and got me, right? But I don't, obviously don't like tickets. Who does? Mostly I don't like, it's your heart starts racing when you get pulled over. You're like, oh my God. And I'm I'm thankful and, and glad to say that I'm not thinking I'm going to be beaten by a cop. I don't think that. I just, you know, it's just, 
scary and like, oh my God, I'm in trouble when you get pulled over. Plus you're embarrassed. People are driving by looking at you and you're just like, oh God. <sighs> and then the thing I hate the most about tickets, the price, because it's always some $250 fee, right? And you have to be like, you know, the cop comes over and he's like, you know, why I pulled you over. And you're always like, no, why? Somebody once said that if you actually say, yes, I was speeding and I, I just want to at least confess, is there any way I could get off with a notice? Like they'll maybe appreciate the fact that you're not like, who me? Speeding? You know, bat, bat, bat eyelashes. I don't know if that works, but maybe I'll try it next time. So I don't like tickets and I really haven't had one in a, in a long, long time, years. But I realized I memorized speed limits. And so I can tell you every single speed limit in the area that I live. Every single one, because I don't like to get pulled over. And so I also don't like to drive the speed limit. I'll always drive between like four and six miles over because you never get pulled over for driving six miles over the speed limit. So I just like to push it a little bit. But I can tell you within an hour's drive, every single speed limit, all the country roads are 55. The one main road I take, you know, to leave my house when I first leave is 35. Then it goes to 40. Then it goes to 55. Then it goes to 50. Then it goes to 35. Then it goes to 40. And that's about a 30 minute drive from my house. And then if I take the east west route, I got to go 55, 65 to 45 to 50 to 45. Like I literally that's miles. I know exactly when they change approximately. And I know all the speed limits. And I thought, you don't do that too? When I mentioned that to my husband, he's like, no. <laughs> I told you, I'm weird. And that way, it's almost like my own little security blanket that whenever I see a cop, I'm like, ha, 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 I'm not speeding because I know the speed limits. And the funny thing is, as much as my husband thinks I'm a weirdo too, but he loves me for being a weirdo that I am, whenever we take this one road, and I used to work up in Palm Desert area near Palm Springs, which is about an hour and a half drive away. I know all the speed limits. So when he drives and we'll take a little quick road trip out of town, he'll go, what's the speed limit here? So that he knows that he's not speeding. And I'm like, oh, it's 65 here. But back there, it's 55. You know, so I'm like in a, an encyclopedia of speed limits. Now, yes, my car does tell me if I open up the maps portion, it'll tell me. But I don't need it because I am a speed limit extraordinaire. Okay, I know it's weird, but I would love to hear if anybody else does that. I guess it's just a way to make me feel like, like I'm working the system, like I'm, I'm, I'm empowered, like you can't get me, man, you can't get me, cop, because I'm gonna make sure that I'm only speeding six miles over and I'm gonna know that I'm a, major major fan of uh, cruise control too so i don't know it's a little quirky but yeah i know my speed limits all right uh, number four. Oh, i said okay so i said did i do the numbers right so that was actually number three so yeah so ten nine eight seven six five four that was number three i think i said a different number number two this one i kind of like because i actually i knew that i did this but I realized it when my stepdaughter told me she does some, something similar too. And can I just tell you, first of all, I love it when somebody else does something weird that I do too. I'm like, yes, yes, I'm not that weird. Or maybe it's just that we're both weird, but I kind of feel like, yay, somebody else is a 
quirky cue ball like me. <laughs> what do you do? And then secondly, I love it when my stepdaughter does things that I do or I do things that she does because it's just fun. She's a she's a really fun person. Anyway, so she it was funny. She asked me about this in the kitchen. This is something to do with the kitchen. What could it be? Um, a few weeks back. And I almost like was giddy because I'm like, oh, she does it too or something similar, but slightly different. Yay, us, you know. So picture your silverware drawer. If you have a silverware drawer. When I was single, I literally had like a few pieces of silverware, but then I just ate off of plastic forks and knives because I'm like, I don't want to do any dishes. I know not good for landfills and all that. It's too late. It's what I did. But I was just like, I don't want to do dishes, eat off of plastic, throw it away. I actually did wash the plastic sometimes because I'm like, these are still good. So, but I, I'd be lying if I said I did that all the time. But so this has to do with your silverware drawer, this quirky thing. So picture your silverware drawer. Now, if you're like me and our house and most houses, you have a variety of silverware. So let's just take, for example, tablespoons. Now the handle on the tablespoons are usually very different. There's like a flat handle with ridges. There's like a square one. There's like that's one that's kind of rounded. There's ones flat with designs and flowers at the end. There's all kinds of spoons and forks handles, right? I don't like the flat ones. I will literally dig through the silverware and find the rounded one. I like how that feels on my fingers when I'm eating. Same with forks, and I just use the spoon for this example, but doesn't matter, forks, knives, spoons, I will always dig through. And I'm like, oh, there's only the flat spoons left in here, the flat handle. You know, I hope I'm describing it right, but the handle is like flat and more square. I will literally like close the drawer, dig through the dirty dishes and get out the one with the smooth rounded handle and wash that before I'll eat off a flat handle one. Is that weird? <laughs> yes, it's weird. Do you guys do anything like that or anything like any of these things? I'm just dying to know. I would love to hear from you. Please, please, please send me a voicemail so we can play it for everyone and you can embarrass yourself like I am or a message or whatever. What quirky stuff do you do? Like, are you aware? Has somebody shown you? Like, is this spoon handle thing that weird? I love the fact that my stepdaughter does it too, because then I asked my husband, I'm like, do you do that? He's like, no, Jody, I eat off of whatever spoon is in the drawer. He's like my straight man to my like quirkiness, you know, I like bounce things off of him and I'm like, okay, yeah, I guess that is a little weird, <laughs> but I like it. It's just, I'm a tactile person. I like to touch something that's more soothing, you know? So I don't know. That's what I do when I'm picking through the silverware. It's got to be the smooth rounded edges handle. So that's that one. <clears throat> okay. Um, number two, that was number two. Am I missing one? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. No, I guess not. So number one. So this one is more um, sentimental. The last one on the list. Here's my drum roll again. This one's more sentimental. And I've never told anyone this. And it's not like I was trying to hide it. It's just what happens. And so this has to do with travel or flying on planes in particular. I get really sentimental and emotional when I take off and land. Is that weird? 
Now, what I mean by that is like whenever we take off and land, I always listen to music. It was a habit that I started when I used to be like really, I used to hate turbulence and somebody who loves to travel. I don't, I never thought I was going to die in a plane crash. It wasn't like a complete cognitive thought. It was just the dis comfort of turbulence and I would get all this anxiety. I would I would just be so uncomfortable when we would have turbulence. But I always loved taking off and landing. It's just there's something about that moment. And if you if you don't get to fly a lot, that's not good. And I understand it's expensive, but I just want to share if you don't share my perspective. So here's what it is. When you're on the plane and you finally like you can finally sit down because everything about getting on a plane is a freaking hassle. It's you got to make sure you have the boarding pass and have you checked in and then you got to do all this stuff and make sure you pack everything and then make sure it's not over 50 pounds. I'm always no joke at like 49.6 every time I pack a bag. Otherwise they charge you more. So you got to load up all your crap and make sure you only have one carry-on and pack everything in there and make sure you have snacks because they don't really feed you anymore, but you can't bring fluids. And if you do, you're going to have to throw it out and blah, 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 blah. And then you go through security, you got to take off your shoes and all this crap. And then they ask you questions. You got to be x-rayed. It's a big pain in the ass. And a lot of times you're up really early if you're flying across the country. Now I get it. First world problems, but it's a hassle. <sighs> So then when you're waiting, you're trying to get on the plane, you got to go through the thing and get in line and you finally get your seat and you relax, right? You can finally ah, relax. And I start to look out the window and you're just sitting there, do, 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 do. And then they kind of make the announcements and you back up, which I always think feels kind of cool, back up on the plane. And then you start to taxi and I get excited, start to taxi. And then the plane usually like makes a couple of turns and then you make one last turn where you're lined up on that runway and the plane stops and it usually rocks a little back and forth and it's like anticipation. And you can, you know that in the cockpit, they're like click, 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 click and pushing all the things and like all systems go checking, you know, all right, T19 or six, right, clear for takeoff, right, you know, whatever. And it's like this pause of excitement because I love that that moment when you know the next time this plane moves we are going to haul ass and we're going to take off and be in the sky and so then the plane starts to move and then it starts to go really really fast and you know because you well you know that you're going somewhere between like four and six hundred miles an hour eventually and then I think forgive me if I'm wrong, but very, very fast. And it's just like, woo. And then you lift off and it's like the best feeling. I mean, there's a little fear because it's like, oh God, what if something goes wrong? But it's just like, I don't get it. I know that flying is lift times thrust times whatever, you know, and it's magic. To me, it's magic. Like you get in this metal tube and you're in one place and you float through the sky on nothing but air. And then the next time you land, you're someplace else in a different time zone. It's like the closest thing to time travel, especially if you go really, really far and you're in a different day. It's the coolest thing. And so when I'm up in the air, 
and I look out the window and when I take off and land, I get emotional. I mean, I'll listen to like this beautiful music and some of my favorite songs. I've been known to like tear up because it's just like you see like God's beautiful earth when you're up there. You're above the clouds and they're white and they're puffy. And one of my favorite things is when you take off and it's gray and it's rainy and you can't even see the sun and it's just blech out, right? And then you go up above the clouds and there's the blue sky and the sun. Like it almost feels like when it rains, like the sun just isn't there. Like, yes, we know, right? We know where it goes. It's behind the clouds. But when you go above them, I just think it's like, the true definition of magnificent. And I just look around and I've seen some beautiful sunsets or if it's late at night, you can see some of the stars and it's just magical. And I think, man, literally the creation of man and what we can do. We created this thing where we can travel through the air in a metal tube and be on the other side of the earth. And I think that started when I went to Europe for the first time in, gosh, I think it was 2000. And I literally was like, I'm on the other side of the planet. And it kind of played with my mind. I'm like, I'm looking at a different part of the moon. I'm at a different part of the earth. It's like a spiritual thing for me. And it's beautiful. And I think how lucky we are to be able to live in the time where we can do this. The people who lived before us, before, you know, air travel, air travel, were stuck with whatever was in front of them or wherever they could get in a covered wagon or wherever their legs could take them. But we're blessed with the, the opportunity and the gift and the intelligence of man and woman that created this thing or we can travel through the air. And maybe it's trite to some people, but I think it's amazing, truly magnificent to be able to do that. And I think with it, knowing, and I've, you know, I have an episode dedicated to all of this, and I've talked about it before, knowing that a friend of mine who was murdered in the World Trade Center was killed, obviously, by a plane that flew into his building. And the fact that planes can be used for evil, people can get hijacked. I mean, it's less and less, but when I was a kid, that was a big thing. You know, there were hostages taken from Iran or Iraq, I think. I wish I could say I knew for sure I was little, but they would just hijack planes. It's not as big of a thing anymore. I don't even know if it happens anymore. But we are so blessed and lucky to be able to live in a time where we can use planes for good. And sadly, at the same time, planes crash and planes are used to murder people. And I always say a little prayer for all those people who died on those planes that, you know, the one that was flown into the, into the ground near Pens in Pennsylvania on 9-11 and, of course, into um, the Pentagon and the two planes into the World Trade Centers. Like, they didn't have a chance. They thought they were going to live you know, travel to wherever they were going, just like anybody else. Some people were probably sleeping at first or had their coffee or just annoyed because travel is such a pain in the ass, weren't thinking about it. And that was their last flight. And so to me, it is the greatest gift 
to be able to afford to travel, to have the ability to fly, and to appreciate the fact that I've lived every single plane ride I've ever taken. I mean, it's kind of a silly way to put it, but it's true. And so I get very emotional because I'm like, I get to see this beautiful earth, this place we call home, this earth from up above. And I love looking down at the houses and the, the, the structures and the landscapes. I love when you fly over agriculture and everything is like green and, and yellow squares and circles. And you get to see the streets and the, the designs. And when you fly over mountains and the snow, the snow-capped mountains of the Rockies and flying over the Grand Canyon, it's spectacular. So for me, it's never been just a plane ride. It's an emotional and special treat. And I feel blessed to be able to continue to do it because not everybody gets to. And people before us never even heard of flight. So that is my number one and in no certain order quirky thing about me. That's my list of 10 things. I've got so many more things that are quirky about me, but that's my list. Maybe hopefully you'll see travel a little bit different because I know it's quirky, but it's beautiful to appreciate it. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Mm -hmm.